At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. As always, we are entering the realm of the bizarre and frightening, so listener discretion is advised. For your own safety, please refrain from going in the water for at least an hour after today's episode. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us, and if you're listening, it means you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And uh, I'm also the keeper of this week's cryptid. And this week's cryptid is a personal favorite of mine. And our last couple things we've talked about have kind of been forest cryptids. I think we've done almost exclusively forest-based cryptids, at least the ones I've covered have been. I did skinwalkers and then I did hide-behinds, and it's a lot of forest stuff. So I thought I'd mix it up a little bit and go to an aquatic kind of realm. Maritime cryptids. <laughs> well, why don't you tell us what it is? I will. I will tell you exactly what it is. I am covering a Japanese cryptid today, which is actually, according to my research, if these cryptid resources are to be believed, it is the most well-known and far-reaching cryptid from Japanese culture. It appears all over popular culture there, and it is so universally used to scare children that you can see artistic renderings of it on caution signs next to bodies of water. I actually found a couple of those. I'll tweet them out when we release this episode because they're so strange to me. Like that it it would be like if you had like warning signs in national parks with like drawings of Bigfoot. And we're like, look out, careful. So what I'm covering today is the Kappa. And the Kappa has a couple different names. One of those I'm guessing is Kappa. Yeah, Kappa is the name it's universally known by, Mm -hmm. but it also has um, some other pseudonyms, some pen names, if you will. First of all, I don't know why I think you'll like this. Kappa loosely translates to river child, and alternatively they are called, and I'm so sorry to any listeners that are gonna, that are familiar with the language of Japanese and are gonna hear this and go, oh my god, her pronunciation, because it's real bad. I'm gonna do my best. But they're also called Kawataro, which is my favorite one because it translates to river boy. River boy? He's a river boy! I love the river boy. I love the river boy. You won't love the river boy for a long. No, I think I will. I don't think no, you will. No, I think, I think. Okay. And they're also called uh, Kawako. Those are the alternate names for them, but Kappa is the predominant one. They are legendary creatures of Japanese folklore. They are um, aquatic based. They are described as being humanoid about the size of a child, hence river child or river boy. Their scaly reptilian skin ranges in color from green to yellow or blue. And despite their reptilian features, they're supposed to have sort of ape-like humanoid faces and they have scraggly green hair. They're like a, they're kind of like a troll doll. They're like little like turtle monkeys. <laughs> that sounds way cuter than the, than what they are. <laughs> it's a turtle monkey river boy. <laughs> New band name, calling it. Oh, I was going to say, it sounds like a series for children. No, I'm naming my, my folk band Turtle Monkey River Boy. Turtle Monkey River Boy. Their most notable feature is an indentation on the top of their heads that holds water. It's like a little bowl on their, like their skull works like a little water bowl and it holds water. This is the source of their power. So much like Salvador Dali believed that all his artistic ability was in his mustache, all of the power of the Kappa is in the water dish on their head. That's, did That's you, a striking comparison. Did you know that he thought that? It was interesting. He, he said he would never shave it. Anyway, but the thing is, this is going to play into survival tips later, so I'll just touch on it, but the cavity in the top of their head, the little indentation, has to be full of water, and when they're out of the water, it's what keeps them alive and moving around. So if 
it spills and the water comes out, then they are rendered unable to move, which is a very specific Achilles heel to have. You know, you gotta keep your head bowl full. I know some people with similar feelings. My friend Molly one time actually almost forgot her phone in Canada and only went back because she'd left her water bottle there as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you're right, that's the same thing. You're so it's right. exactly the same thing. I think that if she is without her water for too long, she also will be unable to move. So before I dive into kind of the mythological and cultural origins of the kappa, I do want to talk about what they get up to. Like, what do they like to do? First of all, and you'll love this, Alex, because you think these are silly. Kappa are regarded as being very similar to a couple other cryptids, a largely Scandinavian. They're very similar to the Czech Vodnik, the Scottish Kelpie, which is great. You'll like mm-hmm. that. But yep. also... Uh, Similar to a Scandinavian and Germanic creature that's called the neck. Like oh, N-E-C- I remember that. N-E-C-K, like a neck that connects your head to the rest of your body. You know, a neck, which is... You know. <laughs> when you, this is a nightmarish mental image, but I imagine you, like, walking <laughs> at, like, in, like, the twilight hours by the, a riverbank in a Scandinavian country, and you, like, look over, and there's just, like, like, jumping out of the water like a dolphin, just like a disembodied human neck. I don't even... Okay, so here's a weird thing, though. Like, I'm following you on this mental image. I... How... I I It's majestic. No, it's not that. It's that I wouldn't recognize a neck as a neck if it weren't attached to a head and shoulder. You know what I'm saying? It's just a flesh tube. (laughs) Well, that's all humans are, really. Well, yeah, but I'm saying without, like, the defining features on either end of it, I don't think a neck really looks like much of anything. Like, it would look like any other segment of... Oh, that's true. I don't know if that makes it better or worse. I don't know. A little bit more about the Kappa's personality, though. And, of course, not all Kappas are the same. Not all anything is the same. I would never make generalizations. But Japanese folklore states in general about their kind of personalities that they are very polite. They do like fairies, uh, abide by certain social customs and social norms. And I'll, again, touch on that a little bit more when we get to survival tips. And they also are a lot like fairies. They are troublemakers. They're very mischievous. Their pranks range from innocent, such as they will loudly pass gas in the water (laughs) to make bubbles and, like, frighten people. Or they're kind of peeping toms. They'll, like, look up ladies' kimonos or spy on them while they're changing or bathing in the water. Uh, So they're pervs. And then when they're more malevolent, some of them are... So it's like there's tiers. Like, there's low offenders, like, low-risk offenders, like, the ones who are just peeping toms. And high-risk offenders, these are my SVU terminology, that can drown people and animals or kidnap children. And if a kappa decides it wants to kill you, they feed on human energy. It's sort of hard to explain. I, I did a lot of reading on like spiritual concept behind this, but it's an equivalent to your soul. And the way that they do this, and there's no other way for me to say this, and I'm so sorry, but they got to suck your guts out through your butt. I no longer like the river boy. <laughs> I thought you might say that. Not Where did fan. I lose you? Did I lose you at butt gut sucking? No, I think it was the peeping Tom thing. Oh, I lost I you. I no respect. Yeah, you're no right. Respect. That's fair. Like, put him on the sex offender registry. No respect. You're telling me that <laughs> Okay, I don't know where I was going. Now we get into origins of the kappa. Now for, <laughs> this is, I'm, there won't be so much anus talk later on, but I have to. I, I'm obligated to tell the people what I know. And what I know is that one of the prevailing theories about the kappa and where, if it doesn't exist, which it totally does, where the idea of it came from and the way that they kill people is that a lot of the time drowning victims um, will be distended in a lot of ways. And one of the places where they appear distended as if something has been sucked out of their body is 
that particular exit route. And I'll phrase this delicately as I can. And so people, like the, the prevailing theory is that people saw that and thought, well, something clearly killed this person by doing that. And I don't know how you leap from this person is bl this bloated dead body to there must be a reptile monkey boy sucking people's intestines out through their butts. But So that in itself is weird enough, but here's what really gets me. <laughs> Originally, I was going to be the keeper for this particular cryptid, and after doing some research, Addison messages me and says, hey, do you mind if I cover the kappa? Because I'm just really, really interested. And now, I'm not so sure where I stand on this. I just, I want, I'll be completely honest, I mostly wanted to talk about the kappa so I could watch Alex's face as I told her that it sucks people's intestines out through their butts. But there is a lot more to talk about with the kappa, and please don't hate me. Please don't let this be the end of our friendship. We've been going strong for like a couple years now. We have a podcasting empire together. Please don't turn on me now just because of the river boy. I'm gonna go solo. <laughs> Please don't. It's all Alex from now on. 100% solo podcast. We can't do a Lennon-McCartney split just because of the river boy. We can't. No, I'm Ringo. And I'm George Harrison, so we're doing great. <laughs> uh, so, despite the fact that, also my notes really are in all caps when I got to the horrible part I just read, it, I wrote in all capitals, there is no better way to say this, I am so sorry. So I really, I really do feel it and I mean it. But in spite of the bad reputation of the Kappa and in spite of some of the terrible terrible, terrible things it likes to do, some of the sins it commits, it is, there is an area of Japan where it is culturally very well respected and there's a really interesting, I, I found out a very interesting relationship between the people there and these creatures. There is, I loved finding this out, there's apparently kind of a kappa hierarchy. There's supposedly like a leader of the kappas, like he is kind of their king and his name is Kuzembo. And he lives in the Chicago River in the region of Tanishimaru. It's pronounced Chicago. <laughs> I hate you so much. Yeah, the Chicago River in uh, Tanishimaru, Japan. Um, Is this Death Note? How dare you come into my house and say those words to me. Um, anyway... So, this is the cutest thing I've ever heard, probably, if you forget about the fact that Kappas are not, in fact, fun uh, um, fun aquatic friends and are, in fact, uh, lizard demon butt boys, like lizard butt demon boys. Please <laughs> never say those words all together again. Lizard demon butt boys. I hate this. Okay. But this is a really nice thing. In the Tanushimara region, the people are kind of befriended them because when heavy rains continue and river threatens to overflow its banks historically and flood the region, the people depended on the Kappa to protect them from and keep the water from overflowing. So to say thank you, they would leave out cucumbers, which the Kappa love to eat, and they would invite them to local wrestling competitions. Um. <laughs> okay, I have to ask though, do you know the cucumber thing? Because the cucumber thing is like my favorite thing about Kappas. <laughs> no, I actually must have missed this. What's the cucumber thing? Yeah, so actually one of the nicer aspects of Kappa is moving away from all of the horrifying weird websites that you got onto. <laughs> Okay. Um, actually, what is so interesting about the Kappa, and maybe this goes into survival strategies, but it's not that specific. So the big sort of uh, obstacle for the Kappa, I guess, which is weird knowing what I know now, is its <laughs> sense of etiquette, actually. <laughs> so the Kappa is bound to a strict honor code of etiquette, right? So if you bow to it, it is required to bow back. If you um, address it politely, it is required by its sort of code of honor to treat you with the same deference. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you can do with a kappa is if you throw it a cucumber with your name carved on it or the name of a person in particular, they cannot attack that person. It's like a... 
Well, it's not like that at all, but it's reminding me of, have you seen the Facebook ads for that service you can get where they literally just write a message on a potato, potato for you mail, and mail yeah. it? <laughs> you were so ready. That's awesome. So you can cucumber mail a kappa. You to can not, cucumber mail a kappa. To not hurt your friend and family. Exactly. Okay. I think I might have known that. Mm-hmm. I think I might have seen that in like some weird comic book or yeah, something. Yeah, but I had no idea where it came from. So that's probably it. That's amazing. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Um... On that note, um, we talked earlier briefly about the sort of caldera that Kappas have in their heads, like the divot, the sort oh, of fun crater. Little, their little crater. Yeah, that holds the water in it. Mm-hmm. So, and we talked about how that is its sort of lifeline to the area where it actually lives. That's what allows it to be amphibious. Well, if that water spills, then a kappa has to return to the water, right? Yeah. And I said earlier that if you bow to a kappa, it's required to bow back to you. So, <laughs> one of the ways to get a kappa to leave you the heck alone is to bow to it because it will then have to bow back to you. It will spill the water on its head and it will have no option but to go, ah, oh, those meddling kids and scurry off into the distance. Well, actually, even beyond that, according to all the sources I read, not only does it have to bow to you when it spills the water, which makes it powerless, it, it doesn't get to run away. It's literally rendered paralyzed, supposedly. If its water spills, it can't move. So, and what I read is if you then return it to its body of water, it will owe you a favor. Aha! Which is great because I really want a like pervert frog boy to owe me a favor. That's exactly the kind of ally I want to have. I'm being sarcastic. I'm asking you people right now to never ever take that statement out of context. Like that audio file could ruin us. <laughs> I may not leave it in just for that purpose. What I'm saying is I don't know if a cap is the kind of person I want to associate with or the kind of being I want to associate with, but also I guess it is good to have friends in high and low places. But uh Okay, it's going to get a little bit sad for a second because one of the possible historical explanations for the legend of the Kappa is, like, pretty, pretty sad. So let me, like, call this... Sorry to follow Banshees with this sad little anecdote I'm going to share. Sadness warning. Sorry. One of the possible theories for the origins of the Kappa in Japanese mythology is that there was an ancient practice of uh, when... Oh my god, do not eat cookie dough bites while I'm trying to talk about this because it's going to get so sad. Why you got to drag me like this? Because <laughs> the bag was going to make eat the cookie dough bite and then I'll tell you. It's going to become like a thing that I'm always eating yeah, on this While podcast, you're enjoying your cookie dough, true. I'll tell you about this. Now, while you enjoy that cookie dough, let me tell you about how the uh, legend of the Kappa came from the uh, cultural practice of water burials for stillborn babies. So they would float a, a stillborn baby down, like, the river, like, as a way that was part of the mourning process. And so one of the thought processes is people saw babies in the water, and instead of telling their children, sometimes babies die and we put them in the river, they said, oh, that's the kappa, it's, uh, like, a, it's a river boy, and don't go in the water with him or he'll suck your intestines out and he'll die. One of those seems like the better option, and it's not the one that you just gave me. <laughs> Um, now, to be fair, there are other possible explanations. Actually, in my some some modern commentators, according to uh, unknownexplorers.com, some modern commentators suggest that the Kappa may be space aliens, as many of their pranks are similar to those often attributed to UFOs. You know those aliens and their wacky pranks. <laughs> many of those pranks are the same pranks that we attribute to, you know, aliens, <laughs> factually speaking, you know, with our rich body of alien knowledge. You know, aliens are the Ashton Kutchers of the universe, really. They just love pranks. Uh, I literally, I cry every time I think about this tweet, but there is a tweet that I am obsessed with that basically is a summary of every 
X-Files episode and it's like Scully saying, ah, the victim was stabbed 492 times and Mulder throws folder on table. You ever heard of a knife alien? I love and it. And I think about it so much. I am so upset about X-Files being taken on Netflix. I'm so glad I have Hulu. Anyway, now we can't learn about all those fun alien pranks anymore. I know. The biggest prank aliens ever pulled was convincing us they don't exist. Okay, I'm done now. I'll take off my spooky Mulder cap. The one other cool, or not really, the one other possible explanation, and I did not know about these animals, but I looked up images of them and I'll tweet these as well. But another possible explanation is the giant Japanese salamander, which is rumored to grow up to eight feet in length and lives in clean and clear streams, which is where people often swim and where kappas are often supposedly sighted. So That's incredible and I love him. <laughs> Do you want me to pull up a picture of him? Uh, yeah, I really want to okay. see one. Okay, I'm going to show you. They're really cute. In a really weird, slimy way. And then there's a picture I need you to pull up after that, but I'm not okay. going to tell you what it is yet. I don't want to show my hand. Okay. I'll show you a giant Japanese salamander, and then I'll tweet one of these out later when I release this episode. Look at him. He's a friend. Oh, now this boy is cute. Look how big he is. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> this is the picture I'll tweet. Let me just explain really quick. There's a picture of a giant Japanese salamander, like, on a, a dirt road next to a river, and there's a policeman standing next to him. And, like, the best way I could, the best way I could explain the size difference is that that policeman could comfortably ride the salamander into battle, like, he's... Aang and Avatar the Last Airbender on the back of the flying bison. Oh, my it's God. very big. Oh, wow. I, I, He's a big friend. I was not ready. <laughs> Eight feet long, Alex. I love this thing, but I don't know how on earth anybody ever thought, that's a river boy. <laughs> it does not look like I, a river boy. I don't buy this explanation. It does not. Well, maybe they saw baby ones. I'll have bigger baby ones. I don't know. Well, <laughs> before I get into sightings, I wanted to talk about, because I was obsessed with when I found this out, it made me so excited because it reminded me of, uh, do you remember when there was like the pretty famous hoax where the guy had like a mummified mermaid and it turned out he had literally sewed like half a monkey mummy onto a fish and was like, it's a mermaid and people bought it for years. But this is, we can't, there is no proof about if these are hoaxes or not, but it reminded me of that. So there are a couple different temples in Japan that not only claim to have seen kappas, but claim to have mummified remains of kappas. So um, I can't pronounce it. I think it's Zuriyuji. Temple in Osaka, Japan is one such place uh, thought to have a full kappa mummy, which reportedly came into its possession in 1682. The mummy is 70 centimeters long and looks vaguely humanoid. Uh, the alleged kappa is not on public display and it is not uncommon to have requests to view it denied. What aren't they telling us? Well, that's a really good way to convince people you have something. <laughs> I have it, but you can't see it. Well, You're what don't just they, gonna have to trust what me. What don't they want us to know? Okay, there's a, actually, there's another one. There's another temple that has a kappa mummy, I, uh, apparently. Will they let us see it? Uh, another temple somewhat well-known for its kappa remains, well-known for it, is the Sogenji Temple, located in the Asakusa area of Tokyo. It's a popular and crowded area known for various temples and historical attractions. This turned into, like, a tourist thing. I didn't mean it to. It's steeped in kappa lore in that area, and it's said to have been infested by the creatures at one point. And the temple is supposed to have been built to appease them, like as a like huh. a gesture, a peaceful gesture to them. It's often referred to as uh, a phrase that translates to mean Kappa Temple. And My favorite sorority. <laughs> <laughs> I am a Kappa Delta, so we can make these jokes. <laughs> I feel like we need a letter from like Kappa Delta headquarters being like, hi, we heard you talk about, you talked about uh, monsters that suck people's guts out. And then you talked about our sorority. So we're excommunicating you. And we're going to be like, get in line <laughs> yeah, and refer like, them to the list of B-list celebrities that are trying that to see we've us. already excommunicated. Yeah. Um, oh, the main attraction 
at this temple is a supposed kappa hand encased in glass in one of the temple's halls, so you can go see this hand. Okay. It's a mummified hand cut off at the wrist with bone exposed. It has long bony fingers that end in claws. It's not clear what the origins of the hand are. People have claimed it's a mere mummified monkey hand. Um, I think. <laughs> okay. A mere mummified monkey. I'm sorry. Have you read the monkey paw? Oh, I have read the monkey's paw. A, a straight up mummified monkey hand is scarier to me <laughs> than a kappa. Than a kappa. I was just about to say that the people who say that are the ones who hate fun. No one is allowed to handle the relic. So yeah. Who asked to, who went into this ancient temple and said, hey, uh, I see you have this really cool mummified hand. Can I hold it for like a second? Just like for a minute. And they said, probably they said, no, sir, this is not a touch tank at an aquarium and that's not a starfish. I have a couple sightings. They may too. have said, no, ma'am, it may have been me. <laughs> Alex, did you go to Tokyo and ask to hold the mummy hand? That was before I knew it was a cursed monkey paw. <laughs> it's not. It's a kappa. Okay, anyway, I've been inundating you with information, and I don't care because I'm obsessed with all of it. So I have two separate reports of kappa sightings and interactions. Not so much sightings, actually. The second one's not a sighting. It's a Craigslist misconnection. We're going to have to devote an entire segment of this show now to being, like, missed cryptid connections. That's, That's becoming bonus. a theme. It's a bonus episode. Ah, all right. So report one, and these have titles, but I'm not going to like, the, actually, I'll tell you the title of report one because it's great. It's Slimy Footprints at the River's Edge, which is actually the title of my autobiography. <laughs> um, no, it's not. Uh, it's the title of my one-woman show. Okay. At around 11 p.m. on August 1st, 1984, in the town of Tsushima in the Nagasaki prefecture, uh, a squid fisherman named Ryu Shirazaki was walking home from the local pier as he passed near the river. I need clarification. Is this a regular man? who fishes for squid, <laughs> or is it a squid who is fishing? It doesn't specify, but I think he is implied to be a human man. Well, then why is it a squid fisherman? Why he not fishes just... for squid. Yeah, but th wouldn't that be called squidding? I don't know. Take it up with Mr. Uh, Shirazaki. All right. He saw a group of children playing by the water. He thought this was weird because it was so late at night, and as he approached the children, he was struck by how bizarre they looked in the moonlight. He couldn't make out their faces. They had unusually spindly arms and legs and glistening skin. All right, Shirazaki, chill out. He suspiciously called out to them as he neared them, but they seemed startled and quickly disappeared into the water. You know, when a group of children thinks you're so scary, they just disappear into the water. That's my favorite thing kids do. <laughs> it's really hard when I teach my theater class and then I startle them and they disappear into the water. Man, I hate when they do it. They just dart right off. Uh, like when you uh, like approach like a tidal pool and there's a bunch of tadpoles and then they like... Ah, oh, yeah, man, I hate when I, like, see a group of kids on the playground and I, like, start to talk to them and they just scatter. Anyway, uh, the next morning when he returned to the same spot, as you do, he discovered a set of moist teardrop-shaped footprints on the pavement. The prints, which appeared to consist of a slimy substance that had begun to coagulate under the hot morning sun. God. <laughs> I hate it. This is the anti-ASMR. It stretched for about 20 meters with like, there was like a slime trail uh, and each footprint measured, there's like very specific measurements and they were spaced about two feet apart. Basically, he and all the members of his town immediately looking at it were like, oh my God, that's totally a kappa. That's what it was. These are river children. Of course, that's a kappa. Report two, The Unclean Guest. Oh God. Which is the title of my erotic memoirs. <laughs> I never wanted to know that was a thing you were writing. It's not. It's not. It's an always sunny in Philadelphia joke uh, because Dennis 
writes a book called Dennis Reynolds and Erotic Life. I promise it's, it's, it's a joke. It's a reference. Okay. Another recent Kappa encounter occurred. I mean, not that recent now, but June 30th, 1991 in the town of Saito in the Miyazaki prefecture, an office worker named Mitsuga Matsumoto and his wife Junko returned home for the evening. And upon opening the front door, they were confronted with a strange smell inside their house. They found dozens of small wet footprints around the front door and in the hallway bathroom and two tatami rooms. At first, they suspected a burglar, but because nothing had been taken, they realized it probably was not. They had called the police, the police surveyed the house and found nothing except for a floor soiled by 30 footprints, each measuring about seven centimeters long and six centimeters wide and having four or five toes. To Matsumoto, the footprints did not look human, nor did they appear to belong to any animal he could imagine. Later that night, as Mrs. Matsumoto was putting laundry away, she discovered an unusual orange stain on some clothing. Orange juice? No. The next morning, as Matsumoto inspected the house more closely, he discovered a deposit of orange liquid on the portable stereo in the tatami room. He took a sample to a public health center for analysis, and the results indicated the liquid had an extremely high iron content and a chemical composition resembling spring water. But it What's was up? orange? But it was orange. And then this section I just loved. I love this. This is I'm going to read this verbatim. Uh, it says, harmless, perhaps, but Matsumoto found the kappa difficult to clean up after. He tried using detergent, paint thinner, and gasoline to remove the footprints and orange stains, but nothing seemed to work. Okay, I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say that if this man, who I'm sure is a fine, upstanding human, is regularly using gasoline to clean his home, perhaps not the most reliable eyewitness. <laughs> perhaps. And paint thinner. <laughs> and paint thinner. And paint thinner. But also, I like the idea, though, that they do leave weird orange stains you can't get out of your clothes and house, because I like the idea that the Kappa's misfortune that it wreaks on you ranges from sucks your intestines out of your body and murders you to leave some weird orange stains in your house. Yeah, but like regular kids will do that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If you ever tried to get Cheeto dust out of your stuff. You know what I love? What? I love the mental image if this thing is one of those huge 20-foot salamanders. <laughs> Can you imagine coming home and finding one of those things just in your living? Like that is... Oh horrifying honestly know. that is maybe scarier than the cap i have a scarier image than that for you i think no not scarier but an equally scarier image is take that first encounter and change it from a group of what looks like children to like five giant <laughs> salamanders hanging out and then when they see you they scuttle into the water you guys fast. need to see this picture because this thing is enormous <laughs> it's so this big is easily the size of like four horses <laughs> it's really i think that might be a little generous but it's big and okay so while you're considering those mental images there's one more mental image i need to give you. Okay, you ready? Go. The best representation of a kappa in pop culture. Are you ready for this? Did you ever play the game Animal Crossing? Yes. Did you ever ride in the little sailboat? No. Okay. I want you to go to Google. Okay. And Are there I, kappas in Animal Crossing? There is one kappa. I want you to go okay. to Google and okay. search Animal Crossing. Uh-huh. And then this name. K-A-P-P apostrophe N. Kappan. No, no A, just K-A-P-P apostrophe N. Cap'n. Cap'n. Yeah, like a sea captain, <gasps> but spelled like Kappa. He looks like a turtle, friend. He looks like a turtle, and most people who play this game probably, at just first glance, think <gasps> he he's the, a turtle. He's the divot in his he head. He has the divot in his head. He's a sea captain. What you do with Cap'n is you get on his boat, 
he rows you out in the middle of the ocean and sings you sea shanties. And then he sucks your intestines out no, of your butt. No, he just sings you sea shanties. <laughs> and sometimes, if you're lucky, he'll tell you awkward anecdotes about his romantic history. <gasps> I found a picture of a lady kappa! Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, like, the in the newer games, he has, like, a family. There's, like, a whole kappa family. <laughs> Aww. But no joke, this guy is one of the best parts of Animal Crossing, because he's so inexplicably weird. Yeah, there's a picture where you can very clearly see the dividend in his head. Yeah, you need to, like, actually, like, Google one of his sea shanties. Um, well, look what he said. Yeah. In this screen cap, uh, he's telling you exactly what he is. In this mm-hmm. screen cap of one of his songs, he says, Sea monsters be misunderstood, and it's sad. Known me some sea monsters, and they ain't so bad. The truth is right in front of us the entire time. <laughs> Kappa representation is real. It's important. The truth was in front of us the whole time. Yeah, no, go to YouTube and Google one of Kappa's sea shanties. Well, I can't because they can't, not while we're rolling because I think they're probably Yeah, no, I just mean you need to and the the listeners need to at some point. They're so strange and I love them. I can't play them on here. But, um. And here's the other, here's the, the cinch. Several of his sea shanties are about cucumbers. And it's totally inexplicable if you don't know what Kappas are, because you're a kid and you're playing these games and you're like, why is this weird old sea captain singing about cucumbers? Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. I'm not making this up. The truth is out there. The I think tr- I'm not allowed to say that. Um, uh, the truth was in front of us all along. The unlie is somewhere in the distance. The, uh, <laughs> this is like those knockoff brands and TV shows like Let's Potato Chips. Or it's like when you go on the Netflix and you're like watching all of the asylum movies that are released at the same time as the movie. Like The Brave Princess. Not oh my god. Affiliated with Pixar. Or did you mean The Snow Queen? The Snow Queen. Which is not frozen. Finding a clownfish. <laughs> Finding Peepo. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, my one last uh, cool little bit of information, like in terms of survival tips, we did discuss already the best possible one, which is you bow and then it has to bow to you and then it's paralyzed and you return it to the water and instead of eating your entrails, it gives you a favor, which is a great trade. Um, and then the other thing is that they are very, like me actually, they are very afraid of fire and loud noises. So to this day, many villages in Japan hold festivals where fireworks are lit. One, because fireworks are cool and fun to watch, but also because they scare off kappas and they won't come mess with you. So that is all of the, like, myriad of information I compiled on my uh, both simultaneously new favorite and least favorite cryptid out there, just because I think they have such a rich history that is really interesting to me. But also, I, I as much as I believe that every cryptid is real, I have to believe that they're not because otherwise I'm too upset. <laughs> Like, I'm so distressed about this. You don't get to pick and choose which cryptids are real, Addison. You're right. I'm sorry. They probably aren't listening because they'd have to bring their, like, listening stuff underwater. But, like... We're going to release this as a cucumber-scented episode. (laughs) So... Special Kappa donors get an autographed cucumber with our names on it so they can't Ah! come after us. All right, so, Um, survival strategies. Hot off the presses. Okay. I got some for you. Okay, Coming in, Coming in clutch Coming in hot. All right. All right, so, what do we know about Kappas? We know... They're they, polite. They have to be polite. Yeah. They are bound by social anxiety. Except for they're not so polite that they won't uh, do impolite things like looking up ladies' skirts and right. drowning their children. Okay, so they're mostly polite, but they are a little, like, sexually harassy. Yeah. We know that they they have a love-hate relationship with cucumbers, right? Yeah. What else do we know about them? Um, know they're slimy. They like to leave a mess around the house. Yes. Family dinners. <laughs> I'm just saying, bring a cabin to your family dinner, they'll fit right in. 
<laughs> not like like a normal family dinner, but like the extended family dinner, like a Thanksgiving. Oh, I was just gonna say I'm gonna look who's coming to dinner for <laughs> the capping. The capping. <laughs> That's it, everybody. Pack it up. Go home. I'm gonna quit this podcast and just start a podcast where I riff on new movies I want to see, and it's all gonna be this all day long. Oh my god, you hear that, Hollywood executives? We got another movie for you, another hit movie. Look who's coming to dinner for the capping. Are you ready? Are you ready? What's the tagline for the capping? What, the tagline for the cabining? You can't do this to me. I'm recovering from a concussion. <laughs> You're right. I'm so sorry. Let me workshop it for a second. The tagline for the cabining. Ugh. Well, we know who's starring in it. Who? You know. Addison. I don't. You know. I don't. Look within yourself. You know it to be true. I don't. Tell me who it is. Who's the only other member of the Crypto Keeper podcast that's been on every episode so far? How dare you? <laughs> Owen Wilson would never. No, he plays like the cool uncle. Wow, Linda, uh, your new boyfriend is kind of weird. I bowed to him because you said he, he was really polite and now he's laying on the ground and he won't get up. Wow. And then you also get to have like the, the slightly racist aunt who's like, I didn't realize that Japanese people were so peculiar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I love it. Oh, I like this movie. I'm going to fund it. So real quick, oh, I'm trying to think of a good rating scale for the Kappa. And ra- our ratings aren't so much ratings anymore, but they're kind of ratings. They're kind of ratings. So here's how I'd like you to rate the Kappa. Okay. You know how, um, in particularly in series of unfortunate events, for example, you can't go in the water af- an hour after uh, eating because the leeches will devour uh, yes. you? Uh and haunt my nightmares forever and put me in therapy as a child. Uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry. I'm really scared of the lacrimose leeches. They're my least favorite cryptid in the world, uh, except for they're not a cryptid because they've been proven, leeches have been proven to exist and they're out there in your water right now. Anyway, I'm gonna chill out. So yeah, wait an hour after eating to go in the water also because like supposedly cramps and stuff. And so I'd say you're on vacation in mm-hmm. Tanoshimaru, Japan. Okay. Uh, which is the favorite uh, hangout of the cryptids, particularly the the cryptids. The hangout of the Kappas, particularly Kuzumbo, the leader of all the Kappas. Oh, the, good. The Kappa King, yes, if you will. The Kappa King. The Kappa King, if you will. And you want to go for a swim. Mm-hmm. How long do you think you have to wait after eating to go in the water? You have just eaten cucumbers. Oh, I ate cucumbers. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. Do I have any cucumbers left? No, you ate all of them. I literally was going to a province that I knew was Kappa infested, and I did not bring a, sim- a single Kappa. Will I you please- ate all my Kappa safeguards. Will you please suspend your disbelief? I'm just saying that doesn't sound like me. All right, you have one cucumber left. I have Choose one wisely. cucumber left. <laughs> You have one cucumber left. Open doors are to the west and the east. <laughs> the first cap is leaving Chicago at 90 miles an hour. <laughs> uh, Solve for X. Solve for X. I would say that I would wait. I would tell the people I was, I would tell my mom I was waiting an hour. And then I'd go in after 45 minutes. <laughs> Oh, I love that. That's good. Thank you for responding to possibly the world's worst <laughs> prompt because I was going to ask you about how to survive it and then I realized you literally told me how to survive <laughs> it. Um, so uh, what are our final closing thoughts on the river boy? How do we feel about him? The the turtle monkey river boy? How do we feel about the turtle monkey river butt boy? <laughs> oh, gosh. I feel like I could never look him straight in the face. 
So, like, I would lose any politeness contest with the Kappa because I would see one and then I would just start giggling. And then all social etiquette would be breached and I would be unsafe. You need to take cryptids more seriously. This is a recurring problem with you. Yeah, no, I know that. But <laughs> you're going to laugh yourself to death one of these days. Yes, I will die as I lived laughing at cryptids. <laughs> oh, no. So, uh, quick housekeeping. Well, would you please uh, talk to the people about the cool upcoming guests we have while I pull up some patrons we have to thank? Uh, And just talk about some of the cool stuff we have going on. Yeah, for sure. So um, a couple exciting developments going on in the works for us right now. Our very next episode, actually next week, next Sunday, is going to be a special episode, sort of unlike anything we've done so far. So we're bringing in a special guest, which is actually three special guests, which is the ladies of the Wine and Crime podcast. Yes. Yeah. Huzzah. That's very, very exciting for us. I hope it's exciting for you guys, too. I know there is some crossover in fan base there so hopefully it's mm-hmm. gonna be a great time we're it's, gonna yeah oh sorry i was just gonna say i it's a show i've been listening to since they were like brand new they're still a fairly new podcast as well and it is three super funny super smart ladies talking about true crime and pairing wines with the topics they discuss and yeah so we are going to talk about a range of minnesotan cryptids for you guys now they're not gonna come on the show they're gonna love it they're gonna show up and have a great time <laughs> and uh we're, then we're gonna pair some wines with those cryptids so um hopefully if you are of age, you will join us for a nice little cryptid brunch, maybe. It'll be like a cryptid exactly. dinner when we record yeah, it. It'll, it'll be a cryptid brunch when you're you. listening to you it. Know. So instead, yeah, so pair a wine or maybe have a mimosa or whatever. I'm not your mom. Do what you want. <laughs> um, so they're going to be our guests for the next episode. We do have some more guests coming up in future episodes that we're really, really looking forward to, but we can't quite spill the details on those just yet. Yep, so just get excited. So also, uh, yesterday, um, when this releases, it won't be yesterday, but yesterday when we're recording this, which is Monday, so on Sunday, when we released our Banshee episode, we also released, uh, we set up a Patreon account, and we did not expect to get such a quick response to this, and we are completely overwhelmed. We met our first goal, which was to raise money to buy another microphone for the show to improve our ability to record remotely and our audio quality, and we could not be happier. And one of our donor rewards... uh, Sorry, if you did you no, you're fine. We have a lot of donor rewards in the works, so different tiers, different tiers depending on what tier you are. We have information on our Patreon page. It's Patreon.com/slash The Cryptid Keeper, and you can get things like um, personalized thank yous on our Twitter, uh, like custom artwork, um, limited edition merch, uh, bonus episodes, all kinds of really cool fun stuff, and. you can check out the tiers we have on there. But for our $20 donors and up, uh, one of the, aside from a lot of other really cool bonus stuff, you get a personalized thank you, not just on our Twitter, but on our show. So I have some donors to thank really quickly. So I would like to thank Isabel Collier. And if I pronounce your name wrong, I'm so sorry. Yay, Isabel. Hooray, Isabel. Thank you so much. Uh, and then Ch- um, Samuel Chase Day, S. Chase Day. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And our other donor we need to thank is an extremely generous donor by the name of Aaron, who follows us on Twitter. And I already thanked you on Twitter, Aaron, but thank you so much for your patronage. It means so much to us. And obviously, we know that not everyone can afford to contribute. But since we are both like funding this show kind of on our own dime and on our own time, and so anything you can give would help us give you better content, bring on better guests, promote the show more grow our audience, get better equipment, maybe take trips to do investigations of our own and visit area, visit things like the Mothman Festival in West Virginia. So 
honestly, when you contribute, you are helping us give you the best show we possibly can. Literally, more than anything, we are just so, so humbled and so thrilled that this show means something to people out there as well, because we know how much it means to us. <laughs> and we know that if we could, we would keep making this show forever just by virtue of the fact that we love it. And it gives us a platform to talk about things that we're very passionate about. <laughs> but unfortunately, in a real world circumstance, you know, there are costs involved with this sort of thing and there are priorities. But it is just unspeakably meaningful to us that this is something that speaks to enough people out there that they're willing to give back something of themselves. And that is just beyond amazing. There are so many ways to help us out and so many ways to express what this show means to you guys. A lot of you have been tweeting at us with feedback and just like giving us moral support and just expressing your love for the show. And that is a super valid contribution as well. And we love seeing it. And we Seriously. try to interact with as many of you guys as possible. To quote actually a listener of ours, Brian, who uh, said this on Twitter, the real cryptid was the friends we made along the way. Oh. It's real nice. Uh, cheesy. No, it's not a cryptid because friendships can be proven. Oh, very nice. So I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, we're just... Oh, yeah, one last oh, announcement. Yeah. Um, so we did reach our first goal of 10 reviews on iTunes. We actually re um, reached it before we released last week's episode, but since it had already been recorded a week prior, we didn't have time to make this announcement. Um, but the winner of our first sticker contest is Kim Carter. So your stickers will be in the mail soon, and we are very excited for you to get them and put them on all your stuff. Super excited. Stick I them to your laptop, stick them to your dog. Uh, well, I don't think Kim has a dog. Kim has a cat. Stick him to your cat. Stick him to your cat, Kim. <laughs> okay. Give Linus that sweet merch. <laughs> so that's going to do it for us. Thank uh, you so much. Oh, it's not going to do it It's not going to do it for The us. contest is still rolling. I remember oh, I, I forgot. Said, every time we reach 10 new reviews. So keep us going. We're at 15 as of the time of recording this. I think we have a 16th on the way. If we get four more, then we'll release another prize and we'll keep it going from there. So every 10. I'm just getting a lot of feedback about the Cryptid Keeper podcast. Like my Twitter feed has blown up exponentially in the past few days. It's so good. Yeah, no, it's great. It's just really, I mean, it's incredible. Honestly, we're getting so much love from you guys and we are thrilled about it, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, some shout outs here again to um, at the Zach Bales on Twitter who told us today that he not only finally started, finally, his words, started listening to us, but also got somebody else at work to subscribe. So you're you're doing the Mothman's work there, Zach. Thank doing you Doing the Mothman's that. work. Um, some some quality interaction from at Doily Spider, who is always a gem. Uh, uh, friend of the show. We, we got a shout out to Buddy Forbes here, who I earlier legit said to Addison this sentence. I said, Buddy Forbes is the Drew Davenport of Cryptid Keeper, uh, which is like a niche reference that actually probably 100% of our fan base will get. Yeah, exactly. Okay, is that, is that, is that actually going to do that? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> no, we'll have to say. Okay, so thank you so much. Uh, hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there.